and welcome to the Time of the Month podcast. I'm Laura Dagan and with me is my co-host Linda Pollock. Hello Linda. How you doing Laura? I am very well. How's yourself? Hi, no bad, thanks. No bad, just no bad. No, actually I'm absolutely wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like to boast. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being joyful and happy. That's it. I think. I think. Um, I think maybe maybe Irish people are like uh, Scottish people as well. We tend to play things down a wee bit. You know? uh, we play, well, certainly in the north, we play things down a wee bit in terms of not wanting to or like to be too brightly shining, to be incandescent. But I think forget that. You know, just shine. Just shine. shine. That's it. Shine. Let everybody know. <laughs> So yes, I'm magnificent, wonderful, I'm in the top of the world, I'm dancing like there's no tomorrow, and I'm wearing purple like I don't Oh, think. brilliant. Oh, well, see, when you're wearing purple, you've got to dance, you've got to shine. One of my favourite colours. <laughs> and joining us today for our discussion is the Reverend Lindsay Brennan. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, Laura. It's just wonderful to be with you and Linda. Thank you for inviting me on. Yes, and how are you today? Are you are you well down in sunny Dundonald? Yes, in South Ayrshire by the coast, not too far away from Troon. So we're blessed with the open countryside and and the coastline as well. So no, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, we opened our church for the first time in a long time today. So we had a wee service at two o'clock. So it was just nice to be worshiping back in the building and, and seeing some familiar faces again. Even though they had masks on, it was still good to see people. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good today, thank you. Oh, great. Because um, you, uh, last year, I know that you did you did an Easter service up at the at the castle. Is it the castle that's... And so did you get to do anything like that this year? Because it looked so joyful and beautiful. Yeah, well, when I came to Dundonald um, in 2019, I started a sunrise Easter service up at Dundonald Castle. So in Dundonald, it's a small village, but we have a lot of history and there's a castle and we had this amazing outdoor sunrise service up at the castle. So last year we didn't do it because we're in lockdown and I, I filmed the service from my manse back garden. And it ended up being quite funny, actually, because we just bought a kitten and I was just filming in the, the back garden and I had this big cross behind me. And as I was talking to the camera, the cat had climbed across and knocked it over. <laughs> so um, his, his video went on YouTube and went a bit viral, a bit more than my uh, Easter service did. But anyway, but yes, this year I was filming back up at the castle, but again, wasn't allowed to have anyone watching because you could only have outdoor worship if you had church grounds and oh, okay. we didn't have church grounds but it was still it was still beautiful to be to be up there um it's a beautiful if you haven't come to dundonald come to dundonald because you get a good welcome as well i oh, well i need to come down because uh, i know that uh, down in dundonald they really like their horses and lots of horsey uh, things go on and so yes i need to come down i'm a it's been the COVID that's uh, put paid to that, but as soon as it gets lifted, you will be having a visitor, Lindsay. Oh, well, well you are having a visitor of you soon, aren't you? You're coming to do my pulpit supply. I summer. am, yes. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that later on in the summertime. Well, they're oh. looking forward to seeing you because we did a wee interview with you for our 
Dundonald's um, website. I was just interviewing people of faith about different topics. I can't remember what we talked about now, but um, folks just said how much they loved hearing from you. They loved your enthusiasm and they loved your energy. So they want they want Aww. to meet you in person now. Oh, Ralph, I'm looking forward to meeting them. And how, um, Linda, is uh, life up north now? Because that's the last podcast we had you had just moved so can you tell the listeners how you're settling in hi it's great um still a bit of cold at the minute these winds and the snow um have made it a bit colder but but the people are sweet they're lovely we've had a couple of joint services with the other parishes in our, our parish well not a grouping but a hub and we've done uh, our first service alone we're not in our church yet because we can get more into our hall uh, so yeah, it's been wonderful. The people are sweet. The people are kind and generous. Um, the, they're great for a blather. You know, they're lovely and warm. And I'm looking forward to, to getting to know them. I, I got into uh, the wee primary school in one of, one of the other villages I'm, I'm actually responsible for. And I can't wait to develop that relationship. And I'm waiting to hear from the other couple of schools here in the other two villages. So I'm really looking forward to that getting excited about trying to get to work with some children again and then Sunday a lady came up to me and said Linda oh, is it okay if I bring my granddaughter to church I'm like is it okay why would, why would you ask is it okay um she said well okay she, she makes a noise I said I don't care if she makes a noise the more noise she makes the better and she was saying oh I just didn't want people to be upset and I didn't want to annoy you I'd be annoyed if you didn't bring her so hopefully we're going to have a I haven't told the people this yet so this is me telling them now I'm going to, whenever we get back into the church, we're going to have a bring your grandkids to church day. Oh, um, wonderful. And hopefully we'll be able to do something that will, you know, let the children know we adore them and that they're yeah. part of us, you know. Um, don't get me started because I'll go off on a big, big, long rant about <laughs> the church and, oh. and shame, shame on us. Absolute capital S shame. Scandalous shame. I all can feel the rant coming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so that you don't run, Linda, we'll get moved on to Good. our topic for today, our women who we're discussing, and it is Mary Magdalene. So, ladies, who is Mary? It's a huge question. Who is Mary Magdalene? Well, I, I kind of realised, um, I was quite late to faith, for those that don't know who I am. Um, so I didn't become a Christian till I was near 30, and now in my early 40s. So, you know, I only started reading the Bible, you know, when I was 29, 30. And to me, all the Marys in my head kind of got a bit mixed up. And it was only when I was properly reading the text, I realised that I was mixing up Mary, the uh, sister of Martha and sister of Lazarus, Mary of Bethany with Mary Magdalene. And also with the unnamed woman, the prostitute with the, the oil in her hair. You know, so in my mind, all these all these women were the, the same person. Mm -hmm. So there was a bit of a confusion in my mind. And I thought I'd been reading the Bible for 10 years. And it only really dawned on me <laughs> fairly recently, I have to confess and to my embarrassment, that who was who and who did what. I don't think you should be embarrassed. I think, um, I think we allow people to shame us or embarrass us um, too easily. Uh, I think the scripture is a huge text and I think that there's so much in it and I think that our tradition conflates all the Marys together. I mean, 
Pope Gregory in the 1590 or something thereabouts, the 16th century anyway, wrote a blistering sermon, a series of sermons about Mary Magdalene. And he actually was the one who put them all together and identified her as a prostitute. There's nowhere in the scripture that says she was a prostitute. Um, and, and if you look at his sermons, they're, they're, they're quite hideous and quite detrimental to women. And his assumption that Mary's sin was sexual is just... I think carries over into our world today. Um, if it's a woman, it must be sexual, it must be sexual deviancy or sexual impurity or immorality. That's a big generalization, um, I think. But that's been my experience um, of women who have been cast out or, or put aside. You know, if a woman has um, sexual activity, it's kind of frowned upon in the church, but if a man does, it's less frowned upon. And, that's, again, that's been my general experience. Um, so, so I think that it's important for us to remember that um, in Luke, Mary Magdalene is identified, I think it's chapter eight, as the one who has had seven demons cast out of her. And um, in other, other passages, um, there's, there's not a whole lot about her. Except when John talks about her as the woman who stood by Jesus, who um, was his confidant, um, in terms of when he was risen, of going to tell the other disciples. You know, Mary Magdalene was the one in Matthew and Mark and Luke who I believe, and forgive me if I'm wrong with this, but I think in those three Gospels, she went with other women to tell Peter mm -hmm. and yes. the disciples. So I think that it's very easy for us to get confused and mixed up. Um, we, don't, we don't even know for definite, I mean, if she had seven demons cast out of her. It's interesting that, you know, here's a woman who's, who we think has been strong and intelligent. We know that she's one of a group of women who supported Jesus financially. And I think we think she was healed by him because she's with that list of women who were all healed by Jesus. So I think we're making the assumption um, or we're concluding that she was one of the ones who was healed as well. But, but interestingly, uh, I've been to Israel quite a few times and in the Holy Land in Galilee, Magdala, or which is where we think she was from, mm -hmm. um, the west side of the Sea of, Gal of, sea of Galilee. <laughs> um, they've just uncovered the past few years an archaeological site where they believe Mary um, set up a seminary for women. And I, I, it's, I'm going again next year if you want to come with me. Um, it's the most incredible site. And they believe that she was a woman of means and affluence. And she set up this incredible community. And the dig re reveals all these this information. So, I mean, we have allowed, our history has, I suppose, relegated her to a, sexual, a sexually immoral woman who um, basically sold herself to get, make ends meet but that's not what the text says no, sorry it's, in, taken it's interesting when you more. when you look at the text so because i went through every single text in the gospel where she was mentioned and we have very very little information about her yeah. about her personality who she was yeah. even you know anything yeah. but yet she's depicted in artwork semi-naked a lot of the times Yes. You know, and yes. it's it's really interesting how that's not what's in the text. Yeah. But well, over time, this is what's happened. I know it's like a reputation has been, you know, has been tarnished. And and you you have to wonder, you know, why why has that happened? Mm -hmm. You know, why why did we, you know, and we know that Pope Gregory, you know, had, you know, a, you know, what he'd said 
um, and that had a lot to do with it. But but it seems to me as if you know other people haven't went back to the text. You know they haven't you know throughout the years all that time they just accepted what they were told. You know because some of the art pictures, you know the artworks that yeah they're beautiful, but they're they're, they're quite um, they're quite scandalous. You know and if you think this if this is a woman who has you know potentially set up a seminary, you know to teach other women, you know you think you know you think that's just you know a terrible thing you know to happen to her that this is how she's remembered. Um, it as it's just such a shame. It's uh, and the other thing as well that gets me is it's like and I know this is us looking into it, you know now, you know in our time, but for somebody even if she did have you know seven demons in her, well that doesn't mean that it's somebody that's scandalous. This is somebody that's um, you know mentally ill, you know somebody that's you know perhaps suffered a trauma and then you know had a, had something you know. A, a mental illness you know afterwards or or she's had to deal with a mental illness if you compare she had seven demons cast out of her supposedly with legion yes a thousand or more than a thousand isn't it uh-huh. um, but he's not been vilified or held up as a bad example no this is a wonderful story of healing but the thing is some folk some scholars say that she was vilified because um, some of the non-canonical gospels, like of Philip and Thomas and Mary, they reckon that that she rivaled Peter and her authority. Yeah. So, with the Roman Church, no offense to the Roman Church, but apparently the idea was that they wanted to push her down. And of course, I think it's dead easy if you want to demonize a woman, just sexualize her. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and that, that's true still for today. If you want to demonize her, sexualize her. And then especially in the church, because in the church, of course, sex is certainly, we don't really talk about it. We're nice people, you know. Um, but but uh, often another tangent. So some of the words actually used in, by Jesus uh, are quite erotic about when we think of the union between us and God, that that union, I can't remember the exact word, but I remember reading somewhere a long time ago that it's like the carnal union of flesh between male and female, you know, that that's, just, that's the depth of the union that we have with God. Um, and I think that um, it's easy to dismiss Mary through art and to vilify her and, and forget that she was the one in John's gospel that Jesus entrusted the message of the resurrection to. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was the one who stood with him when he was being crucified. In my mind's eye, I can see her following him along the road when he was carrying that cross beam. She was faithful. Because that's it, because I think about that because we've just came out of Holy Week, you know, and and I had wrote a reflection um, for for sanctuary first you know like a meditation and and I had been thinking about the women that that followed Jesus as he carried that cross you know where the 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 male disciples well they had disappeared they had scattered yeah but but the women stayed faithful you know and 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 I'm thinking well Mary was one of these women she was there whenever you know with the other women when he was being crucified and then she was there again whenever he was getting put in the tomb you know, when she was coming yeah. back, 
you know, either, you know, in John's case by herself or in the other, you know, um, in the other Gospels with the other women, so that they could, you know, anoint Jesus's body. So yeah. th these women were, they weren't given up. You know, they, they weren't bothered about, you know, what anybody thought about about them. They were, you know, they were they were standing by Jesus this whole time. In fairness to men, um, I think it would have been easier to arrest the men than it would have been to arrest the women. I think women mm. were just, I suppose, the advantage of them not being reliable. As in Luke's gospel, where their message is considered an idle tale by the other disciples, um, what you know, women weren't believed. Their word wasn't trustworthy. Mm. So, in fairness to the men, I think they would have been arrested a lot more easily if they'd stood up than the women would have. But having said that, you know, Peter, I'll never let you down. I, I'm, I'm for you, big man. You know, um, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna walk away. But bless him, he did. You know. So I think it's. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be putting men down because I'm not in their shoes. I wasn't in the shoes of Peter, but I do recognize the risk that it was for men. Having said that, I do want to big up women mm -hmm. because I think we're not bigged up enough. This is really bad grammar, but you know what I mean? It, re it really struck me this Easter though, when I was, because um, I did a reflection on Mary Magdalene on the Easter sunrise service that, do you know, God saw fit that the first eyes that were going to see the risen Jesus was a woman. Do you know, and that's in, during an era where a woman's testimony had no credibility in the court of law. That's yeah. what, how God saw women. Well, that's yeah. how God sees women. Do you know, and that's just so empowering, isn't it? Oh, it really is, because if we look at that John passage as well, you know, like the the other... The, um, you know, the beloved disciple and um, Simon Peter, they had, they, well, the beloved disciple had had a kick in first, you know, a kick into the tomb, <laughs> yeah, that noise, no there, and then Peter had went in, but he never saw anything, you know, and came out, and then the beloved disciples, like, I backed them up, I noise gone, and then they went away, and, and, and the fact is, is when Mary went in, she seen two angels, you know, so you think, this was meant for her, you know, because if they, when Peter had went in and the beloved disciple had went in, they would have, you know, if it was meant for them, the the angels would have been there as well, you know. But so that's how you think this was, this was meant for Mary, this, you know, to see Jesus first, and and I think Jesus's whole ministry, he does, um, he really does, um, you know, raise up women in their place and. Uh, you know, that's it's like you know they've got an, an equal footing with him. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. But two two things, I love the juxtaposition um, that when you said Lindsay about how she was the first person to see Jesus, and then and she the the women of course their word wasn't valid, and yet when you go back to the nativity, who did God entrust with the message? Other who were not whose testimony was not valid, the shepherds. Mm -hmm. So this, this enhances and affirms the reputation of Jesus, who is one who walks with the marginalized folks and the people who are dismissed. They're not mm. worth anything. Who are they? And, mm. and the fact that, what was the second point it was going to make? This is where my old dufferness comes in. I forget the second point. 
that you were making. Yeah, I think, is it in John's gospel where the beloved disciple goes in and it says he saw and believed? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. there's something there about his seeing being different to the women, how women see. Yeah. And I think that's so important, particularly in the church today, mm-hmm. because there's this big quest. So we're all equal. We are equal, but we're different. And we all have something different to bring. And I genuinely believe with all my heart that women have so much to give to the kingdom. We see differently to men. But I think that the structures of our institutions are that women are almost straight-jacketed into masculine leadership styles Mm. um, and seeing things through the lens of of the male. Um, and, And I think that how women see is... I think that's Jesus is affirming that mm. Jesus is affirming that, well, what Mary sees, she's going to take and tell. And her seeing is going to be different to John's seeing or the beloved mm-hmm. disciples seeing. And I think that we as women in leadership, we have a huge responsibility to empower other girls and young women and women in general um, to see as they see and not shoehorn it or shave it down to fit into the mold of the church. Yeah. And I, I really think that, um, this is gonna sound obnoxious. I, my intention is not to sound obnoxious. I remember I saw the cover of Life and Work about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I happened to glance at, at it and walk by and think, and I thought it was a woman on the front and it was a man, but his face was a very round feminine face. So I had to do a double take. And then I started to think about that and think about how we um, put people into wee boxes and, and expect this and that and the other. And then when that doesn't happen, well, we have different responses. But then I began to think, well, who are women in the kingdom? Who are women in the church? And who are women in the Church of Scotland, for example? And, and this is the bit where I don't want to sound obnoxious. So forgive me if I do. But I thought, most women are just men in skirts. In other words, we're not bringing the Sophia the wisdom of women. We're not bringing the feminine, and I've said this before, not the girly girly pink lipstick and nail, nail varnish. I mean, the feminine, the truly feminine, the way God has made us. Um, and so I think it, this passage affirms very, very much how women see and how we are to see as women mm. and to speak out as women. I, I feel really blessed um, because of my experiences coming in to ministry, ministry training. So as I said, I was a, a late to faith and you know, I couldn't quite believe it when God was calling me into full-time ministry of word and sacrament. You know, I hid from it for ages. But um, all, the, all the steps along the way, I was with women. So my first supervisor was a woman. My first placement supervisor was a woman. The second one was a woman (laughs) and it was just wonderful because um you know I wasn't really brought up that much in church so I didn't really have the traditional uh, view of a minister being a white man standing in the pulpit you know so my um knowledge of, of ministry was really shaped by some really strong powerful wonderful women one of them being Linda um, you know, so I just feel really blessed and I have this funny story, it's maybe a little bit inappropriate, but I was at, <laughs> I was, um, at one of my review meetings and um, I was, they were asking me what I wanted out of my next placement and I said, well, 
it'd be good if I could be with a man because I haven't been with a man yet but what I was trying to say was I hadn't been with a, a male <laughs> supervisor who was a minister yet and the, oh my goodness Tom, it's, it's your um, and you have three children <laughs> and, I have three children. and I have to say as well like I, I'm the first female minister in the parish of Dundonald's the ministers tend to stay quite long um, and they've had some really faithful wonderful male ministers but I'm the first woman and I wondered if this was going to be a problem for my congregation and my community and you know absolutely not they've totally embraced me for who I am and um, being a woman and, and the differences that makes to my ministry as a positive you know so Great. Um, it's, it's a good a good story Mm -hmm. I, do you know I've only um, I've only actually had had male supervisors, um, and it's uh, one of my my second supervisor. You know he had because he was quite conscious that you know he says your experience is going to be different from mine, and he was so wonderful and like allowing me to kind of develop you know, my own voice. And the other thing that was really great was that they didn't have a, they didn't use a table and so they didn't use a pulpit either. And so, because as as a woman, you know, find it, I actually find it really, because I'm short as well, I'm so short. So it's like sometimes I'm having to stand on a step, you know, to be seen. But what I really loved about this church was, is like, well, there was no barriers, you know, so you were, there was no barriers at all. So you were able, and he, that, that supervisor really encouraged me to kind of be different, you know, like just, he's like, well, you, you're going to preach differently from me. He says, so just, just, you know, embrace that and go with it. You know, you're a woman, so it's, it's going to be different. And so that was, that was a real blessing. And I find that, um, that that gave me a lot of confidence because really the only women that I've actually really worked in close contact with is is yourself, Linda. You know through um, Sanctuary First, mm -hmm. and also I've did some work with Lindsay as well. But ours was more kind of fun stuff. Oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> Are you saying I'm not fun? <laughs> <laughs> it was more serious, Linda. What we, we were for Sanctuary yeah, it was First. <laughs> We, Laura and I were wearing dungarees at the time. And, uh, yeah, maybe a long story. I look forward to that sometime over a cuppy. I'll just stay up here for a cup of tea, a cuppy. That's lovely. Mm -hmm. So it is really important, I think, that that we were that we can have this and and have that distinction that the experience will be different. And and I think you're right, Linda, about that that bit and John you know, that, that highlights that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think seeing is a really, really important thing in, in kingdom. You know, how we see Jesus, for example, will determine who we believe he is. You know, um, it's interesting, you know, so many of us um, see Jesus exclusively and forget Father and Holy Spirit. And we think yeah. that the faith is all about Jesus, and it's not. We're Trinitarian with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is 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 um, only one aspect, only one identity, one persona, um, and I think how we see Him will determine how we live as well. I mean, certainly what I've come across over the years is people see Jesus as the fixer, and he, yeah, he is the fixer, but or, or they see Him as the one who 
is going to get get them into heaven and, and yeah he is going to get them in heaven you know but i think it's important like i was talking to people last week about palm sunday and how um they identified jesus as the messiah on sunday and they threw the cloaks on the ground they waved the branches but then come friday there were no cloaks on the ground when he fell so what happened in those six days to change their understanding of and how they saw him so i think seeing is really important and how we see who he is determines, I think, how we walk our, our faith journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's seeing with the eyes of God as opposed to seeing with our own eyes, mm-hmm. you know, determines how, like, do we see God in each other? Do we see God in all of creation, you know? Um, do we see God in the birds and the wee buds coming up on the trees and flowers? How, how do we see? It informs, directs, and and just guides all that we do and who we are. It, it, it determines how we do mission. It determines how we do church. And I think if if we see clearly, you know, was it was it Richard had that prayer? Um, Saint Richard, uh, see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more more. Uh, whatever, I always get it wrong. But it was him who said that see see God more clearly. And surely if we're seeing God more clearly, we can see one another more clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you know what makes me kind of think as well about um, about about Mary Magdalene and, and the other women as well that supported Jesus' ministry? You yeah. know, so, um, you know, so we, we assume that Mary Magdalene must have had some kind of, you know, means um because yeah. she was one of the women that supported his ministry as it says in Luke 8 um and so you wonder then well what did what did they see you know what did what did Mary and these other women see and yeah. Jesus in this ministry that that they were prepared you know to to to, to fund it yeah. you know and yeah. I must probably as well you know to help cater you know <laughs> Cater for these men as well that that followed Jesus about, <laughs> um, and just made sure that it was all kind of running yeah. smoothly, and that they never, you know, again, you know, I'm coming back to it that that they never gave up on him in that last week, you know, that they were still there, and and then if you think as well, if if Mary has funded, you know, some kind of seminary, you know, what was it? Do you think? Well, has this been? You know, has this been the Holy Spirit, you know, like working within these women, you know, um, the whole time? It's, uh, it would be it would be really wonderful, wouldn't it, to actually know more, to know more about the story, you know, and what was actually what actually really what she was thinking, what she was doing instead of this kind of these myths that, that have grew up around her, you know, that have like surrounded her all this time. What I've always felt of Mary, and I, I, I guess it's just coming from my own personal experience, but I have been forgiven so much from Jesus. You know, the depth of the forgiveness that I've been given is so, is is so is is huge that I love Jesus so much because I know how much I've been forgiven, and that's what I kind of see in Mary. You know that she she loved Jesus with all her heart because she was fully aware of what she had been forgiven for whatever that would be I don't know we don't know because we're not told 
but you know just the fact that her love had so much staying power you know when we think about that last journey of Jesus the depth of her love was just so profound and to me it, it talking from my own personal experiences maybe the depth of the forgiveness that she felt that she had been given I don't know yeah, I mean, I think when I think of, of Mary, I, I wonder, to go back to what you're saying about seeing as well, how did she and the other Marys and the other women who stood at the cross, how did she look at Jesus and see that pain and that torture, knowing that they believed who he was and, and all the support they'd given him and the following and following him around the country and how could they see him on that cross? You know, it's just the torture of our own souls to see suffering, mm-hmm. you know, and how, but, but Mary stood, she stood with him and she might not have been able to look at him, but the fact that she was there with the other women and she stood. Uh-huh. But then there's that's, that's the solidarity. I was just going to say that Linda, it's, mm-hmm. it's the solidarity and also the solidarity with Jesus's mother. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't, you know, like, they were standing, I think, with her as well, you know, like... Yeah, um, there must have been, there must have been all together, mm-hmm. you know, supporting one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. what makes it, that's what makes it, um, I, I think that's what makes it a wee bit sad, but that's actually, that, that you think that's something that as a church, you know, we could be celebrating, you know, that instead of this castigating of this woman, oh, I, she's just like, you know, a, a next prostitute, I, that was saved. Um, that's how we'll remember her. But but this is actually something that could be really celebrated, that even if, like, there's a dispute about, well, you know, how many people, you know, was she there alone whenever Jesus rose, you know, and seen him first, or was, he with, the, was she with the other women? The fact that, that there was this that they stood in community together, you know, that this, and they stood by each other. And that's something to be celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that when we hear about the band of brothers, but we never hear about the sisterhood, you know, well, I mean, again, we, not, again, not to, not to put men down, but we applaud this band of brothers. Yes. Uh-huh. But where's the solidarity of the sisterhood, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that in the church as well. I, I'm a, when I was in a, a presbytery, I I almost begged women to come and let's meet once a month and read the text for lectionary together to try and um, draw out the feminine from the text that we could then go on in our own congregations and preach. Nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to do it. And to me, it's just it was a wasted opportunity uh-huh. because I think as women... Not to stand against, it's not about standing against men. It's about standing together and saying, well, together our voice might be heard. Yes. Together our voices might make some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I just I love this idea of the solidarity of the sisterhood, not to the detriment of the brotherhood, mm-hmm. but, but to the, I suppose, the wakening up and seeing that as women, we're different. Mm-hmm. Not better, not worse. Mm-hmm. But different, so let's bring our voice to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, Mary's mentioned more than most of the other other apostles in the Gospels. Mary Magdalene, you know, and yet we tend 
we don't even mention her in the list of apostles. You know, we don't, we don't mention her. And, and I know Mary. that's and exactly, and well, and you think as well that 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 Paul, you know, Paul's an apostle, and yeah. Paul Paul didn't actually know Jesus, was, yeah. you know, yeah. in real time. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. He met the risen Jesus, but he didn't yeah. know Jesus in real time, yeah. and and so he's. He's treated, you know, he's treated, he's got a higher status than what Mary Magdalene has, even though Mary Magdalene was, you know, part of the that ministry. Yeah. Do you think things are changing now, though? Do you think, I just think, you know, the good thing about uh, being online and everybody else's church being online that I just uh, sometimes binge watch worship services <laughs> yeah, you get a good 15 in a night you know if you watch it <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of uh, Mary being lifted up Mary Magdalene you know I think there is a, a movement now recognizing these amazing women that are right there in the bible uh-huh. being lifted up by God and we have to do the same thing you know I think times are turning and yeah there's more me- uh, female preachers now and more female theology writers as well that you know the the bible has been read properly again and these people have been recognized these women have been recognized for who they are and what they do and and they're shining more you know i i was hearing more people mentioning mary this easter uh-huh i don't know i i would like to think so as well because i do feel as if uh, i think something is happening within the within the church community and I'm talking about like the wider you know the wider church community um I do think that it's it's really wonderful to see you know these you know really strong female voices being raised up and and I and I like what you said there Lindsay about you know reading reading the bible properly you know because that's the thing about there's there's all these I think every line matters, you know, every line matters in the Bible. And there's always something that, you know, there's always like, we can always look deeper, you know, always, there's always most, and there's so much richness just in one line, you know, so we're never going to know the full story about somebody, but if we look at if we look at the language, if we look at you know the context, you know we can look at the type. We can really tell a lot about you know. So it's not just like reading the you know the main bits. It's about really delving deep, uh, delving deep into the scripture, and you know to bring out all these voices that have in the situations that you know have maybe been forgotten about or just overlooked you know and it's like you know people are I think that's it people are now kind of because God is I think shining shining a fresh light on things mm. there you go there's that saying again <laughs> matters yes I <laughs> it's not what you see it's how you see it how you see it yes I I think there's a wee message in that for us isn't there <laughs> it might well be Aye, that's it so how do you think women um, nowadays, what, what are women wrestling with nowadays in terms of, um, I suppose, sexual immorality, um, in terms of their behaviour and work, in terms of the ceiling on, on salaries? I mean, is, are things, I mean, you said things are changing. Are they really changing? 
today. I mean, our women women are still not paid equally. Women are still not um, in the the big big top jobs. Um, I think I think in um, I think in this country I think things are changing. I think though around the world I think our, our sisters have uh, still a long way going. I think we can. Um, I think that we shouldn't you know sit back. We need to actually still promote their voices. You know, let them be heard and really get behind them. Um, especially in countries where they really don't value um, women. And I think just now, I think there's this, uh, I think there's still an issue with how young women, and actually probably any women, women of any age, and I think we've seen it, you know, with the, um, you know, recently, Whenever, you know, how women, you know, if you're walking home, you know, you should be able to be safe. You know, it shouldn't matter what you're wearing. It shouldn't matter, you know, if you catch the attention of some, you know, some nutter, you know, that's, you know, got, or or even somebody that's just, you know, got, you know, wrong motives and thinks, well, the way you're dressed has got something, you know, oh, I, well, that she's, she's looking for some action or something. Um, it shouldn't be that case. It should be that you're left to with your dignity, that you can go about your business, that uh, the way that a man would, a man is never, never um, questioned about what he dra- how he dresses. You know, nobody ever brings that in. Oh, I well, that happened to him. Aye, that happened to him because of what he, what he was wearing. Uh, no, nobody ever says that. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> I think I think on the back of that, Linda, it's quite right what you said. It's not it's not the same for all women everywhere. And I, I always have to remember of my privilege, you know, that I come from a, a really stable family background. I was one of three girls. My dad did everything right by us. He really encouraged us in our education and supported our decisions. And we were made to feel that we could achieve anything. You know, we had that grounding and but, you know, coming to faith and having my eyes opened by Jesus, I'm seeing my privilege uh, and then looking at other people, you know, single parents who have single mothers yeah. that have been born into um, poverty and, and brokenness mm-hmm. and how they're stigmatized and how they're perceived yeah. and how it's their own fault. And, you know, when you hear the stories, when you hear the stories, you are heart, your, your, your heart absolutely weeps. Yeah. Um, and then when you, you hear of Jesus and how he walked beside the people that were marginalised, it just gives you so much hope that the can change can happen for the, the better. And, you know, the, the, there's a real, uh, you know, missionally, you know, when people's eyes are opened by Jesus to the suffering of other people, it's just so important. But for me, my, my thing is for single parents, because the stigmatization that happens yeah. for these women who often are left with all the children on their own without any support without any family support because they're from broken homes yeah. so there's a there's a lot that we, we need to do to empower our, our um and walk beside and comfort and nurture other women yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh well thank you thank you so much that's um this is a uh, We've came to the end of our time. 
Um, thank you both for such a really rich discussion there. And I think we need to get you back, Lindsay, because <laughs> there's so much more that we could be we could say. <laughs> I'm afraid I can talk. <laughs> oh no, nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing we all can talk. <laughs> right, so thank you so much for joining us, Lindsay. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, thank you, Linda. Um, it's we, we've um, really enjoyed our time together. And we will see you all again, or well, you will hear from us all again really soon. So bye for now and thank you. Bye. bye.